Good day. Welcome to sportsstars.ie. I'm Darren Kennedy. It's time for Sports Stars Football, our weekly look at all matters big ball. And if you heard the turn have on Wednesday, you know, for just for this week, we're going on a different day. We're going out on Friday, but we'll be back on Wednesdays next week. Of course, I'm Darren Kelly, joined by my partner in crime, Neve Kendall. Hi, Neve. Hi, Darren. How are you? It just goes to show how busy football is at the moment, Neve. We're meeting each other twice a week at the moment. It's just a mile a minute and another big, even you can nearly call it moving weekend in the senior championship coming up this Sunday. That's right, Darren. Yeah, I suppose as, as we expected, the, the senior challenge when it started it was going to come thick and fast three weekends in a row on the trot. And we're going to really looking forward to, as you said, an, another bumper weekend in, in matches. Yeah, we're going to be looking at all the senior championship matches in a while, touching junior as well. Our two featured games, Cork against Donegal and Armagh against Mead, coming up later on. But beforehand, if you heard the third half, we were talking about the excitement of the Intermediate Championship. No games on the Intermediate Championship this weekend. The quarterfinals take place the following Sunday. That's the 26th of June. But we did say we have a special guest on Sports South Football. And if you're from Loud, we're not keeping you waiting any longer. Loud beat Clare in Cusick Park, NS28-110. Last Sunday was the result of the weekend and earlier I got a chance to talk to their captain, Shannon McLaughlin. Now I'm delighted to be joined by the loud senior football captain, Shannon McLaughlin, after another fantastic weekend in the TG Car All-Ireland Intermediate Championship, which included their victory over Clare in Cusick Park in Ennis. And first, Shannon, thanks a million for joining us here in Sports Stars Football. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Darren. Pleasure is absolutely ours. And we have to say it was the result of the weekend, and not just because you beat Claire, but I was really, really impressed. And I've always known the character of this loud team is very strong, but really impressed with your character because he, he fought hard for this game and he showed that character when Claire kept coming back at you to get the result. Yeah, absolutely. The first half of the game was incredibly hard. It was one of the toughest games I played, I think, in my career yet. Um, the wind was deceivingly strong and we were went in a half time like down by four points but we knew that there was so much more in us and then when we got onto the pitch in the second half we knew that the, the breeze was a huge factor in the game so we just kept pushing on and pressing the kickouts and trying our best to get get um an even score at least and then when we got ahead then we, it was just a matter of holding on to that lead but it was down to the incredible hard work of all the girls like they put in such a serious shift on Sunday and and against Dane the week before so it's it's really just dogging out results at the minute. Um, it's definitely down to the hard work of the girls and the commitment shown on the pitch. Yeah, and it's not just about the elements as well, as you mentioned about the wind and all that, because you got your noses at front and Claire, and Claire, one of many people's favourites, and I have to say, including myself at the start of the campaign to win the All-Ireland, um, kept coming at you, kept coming at you, and being away from home and all that, he, people could have talked on the outside of the credibility of coming up the wrong side of a one-point victory, but she refused to, to yield or to wilt. Absolutely. Like, um, we, when we were coming up, we we knew that we had it in us to beat them. Like, they're a Division 2 side, but looking at videos from older players, like, they've an incredible team, like, and they have so much experience in there. And um, I think it was just a matter of uh, playing our own game and, and trying to focus on what we, we can do well and like obviously the game we were through into a quarter final anyway, but we really wanted to put in a performance against a really good team, um, to put us in a good position going into the quarter final, um, and so we were focusing all on all the things that we needed to improve on and all the things, all the basic things, and get those right. And I think once we did that, then we just had to focus on ourselves and try and get the win after the, thereafter. As you mentioned, the quarter final, and of course, you were there last year as well, and you'd be looking to go further than that, no doubt. But was there more pressure in the down game the previous week, or were you able to express yourselves that little bit more against Clare? Yeah, absolutely. Like the the down game, it was obviously if we had a it was 
make or break. If we won, we were true. If we weren't, it was leaving a awful lot of pressure on us going down to Clare. Um, and it was in my home pitch as well. I don't think I've ever been this nervous for a game. <laughs> but it was really, really great to, to see the performance that was put in that day. Like I, the girls just worked tirelessly throughout the whole game. Um, the, and I'm sure you saw the amount of blocks that were put in. Like girls put their whole bodies on the line for the 60 minutes. It was just it was actually such a great game to be a part of. I enjoyed it so much and I think people watching on did as well. And I most certainly did as well. It was a big game for both teams as well, but of course you got that result too. And if anything, you probably liberated because I suppose if we look at the season in general first, probably just a couple of games went against G. You did, you did survive in Division 3. Uh, it was a very competitive group in the Leinster Championship as well, but it was always really coming down to this first game against Down before moving forward. Yeah, um, we, we did have a tough run in the league. There was, like, a lot of the results didn't re- didn't go our way. Like, we were there, thereabouts. Like, we were losing by a point or drawing or everything. All the games were so close. And we didn't feel like we actually got into our stride in the league. And it was very short as well with only having three games, which I don't think stood to us, like, because it was our first year up. And we just needed, I think, a bit more game time under, under our belts. Like, um, And then when the Leinster Championship came around again, sort of, we started to get a bit of momentum in some of the games. And like we were ahead against Wicklow and then sort of lost it at the end. And that was sort of the story of the year. Um, but we knew that there was so much in us. And then against Dane, like they've beaten us the last three times, the three times prior to that we played them. And we really, really wanted to beat them. Like, because we always felt like there was so much left in us when we played Dane and they're a fantastic side as well. It's always a great battle. So we, we definitely felt like we owed them one, but thankfully we, we, we gave back to them on, on Sunday last it's always nice to get one over to the neighbours as well after a special yeah. there too after a couple of defeats and of course then it leads to Clare and you're going down that game I suppose one way you can look at it is a free shot but as you just said there you've been working hard you probably just score lines maybe a tad unlucky or just a bit of grit in the final moments as well and you had nothing to lose going down to Clare as well what was the feeling in the camp on the way to the match? Um, yeah no we weren't treating it as like a, a free a free shot or anything like that I think every single player there wants their name on, on the starting 15 for the quarterfinal. So training has been really intense and the warm-up so was so intense and like girls really focused going down on, on the on the bus and stuff. Um, we were just really looking forward to it. And as, as we said, like we were, the girls, we have such a young panel and we're just really trying to focus on improving every single week that we play and working on, because we have so much talent in the squad and I think it's just a matter of us building that character and just that little bit of experience um, that the other teams like Clare would have had from the years of being an intermediate and, and Division 2 like so Well you'd already proven yourselves anyway but you've proven yourselves <laughs> now Aoife Halligan with the goal in the first half kept you in the matches you mentioned there with the conditions and all that and then you rolled it up sure Kate Flood is a, a name we know so well now and she stepped up as well Rebecca Carr with that goal too and as we said already even in just this interview it was just go, keep, go, keep going keep going keep going till the final whistle Exactly like the, no one like died out everyone was working like the last couple of minutes, I think the girls were defending inside Claire's 45, like we were stopping them at the halfway line, like, and that just shows that the work the work came from the full forward line, you know, right the way through this, the panel and right through the team, you know. So that's where the, the, that pushed us back on to be extra tough then when the ball came near us, that we saw the forwards working so hard. Like, and as you said, like Eva Halgan, we were only talking about it before the game. Sure, she scored a point last week, and we're like, "Oh no, this week you'll have to get a goal." And <laughs> right enough, she did. So it was great. No, no pressure on Eva now for the hat trick the next day. Yeah, the sister, the sister <laughs> scored. The Shona scored the week before, so we're like, "Oh, you have to, you have to get the goal now." 
the following week. So it was great to see her get the goal. And she's someone who's put in a, a huge amount of effort this year, last year. So it's great to see her getting the rewards now, finally. And it's great for everybody in the team to get those rewards as well. Yeah, it's, it's a, a massive, big lift. It's yeah. a massive result for Loud. And of course, not that you would have had any doubt in your own belief anyway, but now we, you're going into a quarterfinal. You're going into a quarterfinal as group winners as well. What people might have talked about was common at the start of the year. It's another game now that you're going to fully believe you can get a, get a result and march on. Yeah, again, we played Common in the league and we just felt like we actually put in a good shift that day. The elements were really against us, that against both of us that day. The, the breeze and Cooley that day was the worst conditions I've ever played in. And they got two goals um, that just went in over the top of the keeper's head. So we just felt that we only lost by a point that day and we felt like we sort of left it behind us a bit. So it'll be nice to get another shot at them now in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Looking forward to it too, and who knows what door could open up. I know you won't be looking past that at the moment, but we, even we were talking off air beforehand, Shannon, how how tight this intermediate championship is. All thirteen teams, five of them are lucky to be knocked out of the competition, but there's very little between any of the eight remaining teams. Absolutely, like when you see the likes of Kildare, um, being the bottom of their group, like I would have thought they would be up near the top four, like coming out of the round robin phases um, and then when you see teams like Dane and Sligo getting relegated it's just mad like you you would have never predicted any of those like and I, I don't think it's safe to make any predictions this year because on any given day any team as you said could could go out and, and win um, so it's it's brilliant to see it's real exciting and it's exciting to be a part of and to play in it as well the games are really high tempo like the standard has just You're rose on. dramatically hasn't it you're 100% right, though. Making predictions is a very, very dangerous game. As Evan Eve Kenton have learned that now, looking at our prediction sheet there as well. I'm glad you're talking <laughs> to me. See, we marked loud down for the relegation playoffs. You've certainly proved us wrong on that. Um, but Shannon, of course, even saying that, like just before I let you go, like, like maybe those that don't follow ladies' football as much, this loud team has always been under the radar. Like, I was stunned to realize that you only started playing football competitively in 2016 and came into loud in 2017, but you have had silverware, silverware since an All-Ireland title in Crow Park, a National League title with yourself as captain last year as well. Like this Loud team have been proving themselves, probably just need to just grind out more results like this at a higher level. Absolutely. Like I think we were talking about this like the couple of years before we went up to Intermediate, we might have only lost one or two games like and that would have been like a league's final and an All-Ireland final in Crow Park. So we weren't really used to losing I think and um, we have had a lot of success at Leinster and um, the girls, as we said, are so young. Like Lauren Boyle and Eve Rice started playing with us when they were like seventeen and eighteen. Like, and there's there's so much more in them. Like, they're not around this year, but they, they definitely will be will be back. And um, there's eight new girls in the panel this year, and they've just made such a difference. Like, it's it's brilliant to see like the upcoming talent. Like the, all the miners that came came on board this year have have added so much, and like they just drive everyone on in training, and they bring such a positive attitude, and like they're really pushing for spots. And I think that's what's made our, our team so so competitive this year and um, it's all those new girls and minors coming through like as, as such young girls and like Rebecca in goals there she's only 18 and like she's so confident and so composed like it's it's unbelievable I think so well, we're certainly going to take in more notes now as well I don't even have to ask you this question but it's such an honour for yourself to be captain in this side as well and and regardless of what happens this year there's a bright future in this now team absolutely and like um, I think Wayne um, or Michal McKeown started it five years ago and then Darren Bishop took over and then Wayne really, really believes in us. Um, Wayne and Lee Hunt came on board and then Brian's on board with them as well. And I, I think there was sort of a lack of a belief for a long time in, in Leiden. 
those men that I spoke about have really, really pushed like that belief. And like from the very, from the first week we met Wayne, like he told us that we were able to win in, in all Ireland, like an interview in all Ireland. And that's where he saw us and we're division two, maybe division three, team, like win division four, get up into division two, three and keep, keep rising there. Like he really hammers home that belief and builds it in us and builds our confidence and, he really believes that we can do that. So and I think we're all starting to believe that now. So it's it's a good it's a good position to be in going into an all Ireland quarterfinal. That was the loud football captain Shannon McLaughlin. Eve, as we mentioned in the third half when we went through the intermediate championship a good bit, like a massive result for Loud. Like we won't go over what we talked about already, but just for those that haven't heard the third half because they're just following sports stats football, like Loud long for a top in their groups. Wicklow also qualifying as well. Kildare out of the championship and many other big names uh, losing at the weekend. Yeah, that's right, Darren. It really was, as we said, it was the gift that keeps on giving, um, you know, the Intermediate Championship this year. And as you mentioned, you know, Louds in particular, you know, Shannon touched it there. Louds win away to Clare was a massive result for them. They got two wins in the trot then. And, you know, Wicklow and Wexford, obviously, and as you said, the big shocks of, of Kildare and, and Leitrim not qualifying at all and being out of the, um, out of, uh, out of the championship um, at, at this early stage. Yeah, massive results as well. And just as you mentioned, Leitrim there, just to touch on news for a moment, I want to go back to Junior in a minute. Uh, you Donnelly has stepped down as Leitrim football manager. I have to say, I'm very, very disappointed to hear that. I liked you, got to know him over the last year and a half. And of course, like looking at the elation on Leitrim when they won the Connor Championship back on the 15th of May. And of course, two losses out of the championship and you Donnelly's decided to step down. Yeah, Darren, um, he's in the job. I think it's three years, I suppose, um, and two of those being COVID years as well. Um, you know, when he had a good, a, a very good um, campaign with him in those short three years, I mean, he, I suppose that the, 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 the county board have t- touched on the fact that it was a period of growth and development and he helped, he helped um, Leitrim get back up, up to a stage and obviously won back-to-back um, Connacht titles, which was a massive result, as you said, just, just back in May to win the, win the title too. Um, obviously he lost the Division 1 uh, league final last year to Loud as well. So, yeah, he had a very good run with them, and I suppose this year, um, you know, after winning the, the Connacht, they would have expected to, um, you know, have high hopes in the All Ireland series, and the three losses on the trot then ends them in a in the championship, as we said. And yeah, disappointing to see him go, and um, they're obviously on the hunt now for a new manager. Yeah, hopefully to get someone in good as well, because like there is good work we done in Leitrim, and when you look at what they have, um. They should be doing better than what they did in this year's championship. They're definitely a better team than in the Division 4 team. But it just goes to show the standard of football that is so competitive down in Division 4 as well. Um, hopefully they do because there is a story in Leitrim down the line if they can keep this crew together. There definitely is, Darren. And I mean, they have some brilliant, brilliant players. And I think um, Michelle Guckian is, is is still, I think, possibly the the, the top of the, the golden boot list at the moment in our scoring. And she's still, obviously, now the fact they're out of the championship and she could get passed out. But at the moment... Um, she's top of the list, and I mean, they have some brilliant, brilliant footballers, and um, you know, they've had it's been really exciting to watch in the Connacht Championship um, this year, and obviously win the two, and, and even in last year, that, that win over us coming to last year in the, in the final was, was a great result for them. So, yeah, you'll you definitely look forward. They're a young side as well, Darren, and they're definitely um, a team that if anyone is looking for a, a start off with a team um, in the management role, they'd be definitely a, the perfect fit for them. We'll be keeping an eye on how that develops over the course of the autumn winter. One thing, Neve, on the third half, I think we forgot to mention, and it was just when I was checking the notes there after we recorded, uh, we got a super goal for Leash against Tyrone, Tyrone Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you've seen us to uh, cutting through about half the field on a run before scoring a goal. It's definitely going to be a contender for goal of the year. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, Darren, a, a fabulous goal. And I mean, you know, she had a lot of work to do, um, you know, I mean, uh, against the Tyrone team that we know um, what what they can do. And obviously down from senior last year on a very strong side. Um, and it was a brilliant result for Leash to get the result. But I mean, the Rona's goal was was top class. And I mean, she, as I said, she had so much work to do. She had to go in and out, weave in and out between players. And then it looked like she was going to stop at one stage did. and then decided to keep going again and just cut right through. Yeah. Them. Yeah, she really did. And I think that's maybe that's why the stop or maybe was a, a dummy of, of sorts that, you know, made the Tyrone players kind of stop for a second as well. But yeah, top class goal. And as you said, it'll definitely be up there to a contender for goal of the year. It's shared on our social media and sports stats if you want to check it out as well. Thanks to Jerome Quinn for putting it up as well. Um, fantastic goal. Uh, just going back, I mentioned I wanted to talk about the Junior Championship. There's one game on at the weekend in David Park in Belfast Antrim taking on New York. As we discussed already, we don't know what New York to expect, but they're going up against the tournament favourites, so it should be a very, very intriguing match. Yeah, Darren, it is. It plans to be, and I'm and I, I, just watching the... The advertisement of it on, on Antrim's Facebook page, they're like, you know, they're really blowing it up. New York's coming to town and they're, you know, making it really, you know, it's obviously great to see as we talked before, be New York back in the competition. Yeah, so it will be. And, um, you know, it's great to see it. As, as we said, we do not know what team is coming home. It's going to be a, a real um, interesting watch to see what team, what team New York have. But as we know, anytime they've ever come home, you know, I suppose you could look at it the other side, the only times they're coming home in the field of a good side, to possibly really contend um, or really contest this all Ireland series. So they're not coming home. Uh, they're not coming home or not coming to play to make up the numbers, certainly. No, the six games in football on Sunday, five of them senior. We'll be talking more about them as the show goes on. But we wanted to get that gem out there at the start. Uh, Junior Championship, two o'clock, David Park, Belfast on Sunday, available on the LGFA streaming service. Promises to be a good one. Um, Neil, let's just go through a bit of news for the next five, ten minutes before we move on. Um, but something I was thinking about when we were discussing uh, the matches last week, and I suppose I understand why it came in, but it's the tickets. And we've had a few messages in about it where you can't buy tickets cash on the day or, or get entry into grounds on the day. Um, now, COVID is still knocking around, so I understand why it's still there. But it's something I suppose that many people, especially our older patrons, uh, won't want to see happening down the line. What's your thoughts on it overall? Because it could be very, very, it can catch an awful lot of people out and dare I say, turn people off going to matches. Yeah, Darren, that is, and it's something I, I you know, I spoke, I, I mentioned it to you actually, um, you know, welfare as well, that it, you know, it is, especially I, like I was in from Howen last week at the Mohamed game, as I said, at the weekend. And, you know, that was a, a big, they all earned champions in, in in town. And, you know, for any locals in, in the Drumhowen area in the club, you know, young or old that wanted to go and see the all earned champions and heard so much talk about them. And if they, they didn't have access to, to, to like internet or to phones or have a smartphone to be able to download a, a ticket. And equally, if they didn't even know they needed that and maybe appeared at the gate, thinking they could just pay at the gate and weren't able to do that. Now, I, I don't know if that happened, but I'm sure it's happening in grounds around the area, around the country, that there's games on and that they're, you know, they're not able to um, at the gate. And I think it's just, I think it's a shame. It is, it's, I think it's, it's, you know, it's stopping the person that's maybe deciding at the last minute, God, I'd love to quit and see that match or be passing maybe and, and see a match. So I think that's, it's a shame. I think that it's going, as you said, I understand the reasons that there's not, you know, not, not um, handling cash, but it is a pity that it is maybe, putting out our, our older patrons and people that's not um, internet savvy. Yeah, it probably, it's something that probably needs to be looked at. It's definitely going into 2023, I feel. And again, as we understand why he came in between COVID and handing cash and all that, but like, we have to be realistic here. Like, we're not filling out stadiums. 
every single week. You know, all Ireland final, we 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 have a chance, but that's it. Like you know, and we saw the crowds that were in Burr last week, and I'm not saying that's the reason that, that the crowds are small, but it certainly might pull off some locals going in to have a look as well. And I suppose we have to use a bit of common sense as well with this going down the line that we want people to be at our games it's great to listen to us talking about it or watching streaming service and all that but if somebody thinks it's hassle to go into a match you're not going to go you know and we're, we, we we can't sugarcoat it we're not there yet in regards a high enough profile to think that the people are just going to come in to see a ladies football match or a camogie match for that matter as well and maybe it's something that if the world is, is getting safer later in the year that it should be looked at because it'd be nice to get up on a Sunday morning and say do you know what there's a game where I live like there's a game in Athlone for example it'd be nice to just go down and, and watch it without having to get my phone out and, and, and going through all this complicated process and didn't realise and do you know what I'll just sit at home and watch whatever's live in TG Car. Yeah, that is the fear, Darren. And like I know, obviously, at club matches around the country, you know, men's and, and men's matches in particular, um, you know, they're, they're still taking money at the gate. So it's happening at, at local level. Um, and now, now we have to probably be clarified that probably in GA matches, um, I know, obviously, I was in Castlebar um, the weekend before last, and, you know, we needed to have the phone, the tickets bought on our phone and Ticketmaster and download them. I don't know. I know, obviously, you can print off that ticket and that's it. I, I can't clarify, and maybe you could clarify if if Centra and Super Value are doing the tickets that you used to. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I know the GA aren't accepting money at the gate either, but they obviously can go into a, a Super Value and buy your ticket potentially and, and use it there in that way and have an actual visible ticket. Yeah, I think Centra and Super Value are still doing it. The GA.ie tickets is the one that's encouraged and promoted the most as well. And then say Camogie are using universe.com. Off the top of my head, I actually just don't know what the LJF are using. That's just a memory blank on my side. But um, like, look, it, they're well explained in fairness to the organisations. They're well explained. But what we're, I suppose what we're saying is that, especially our older patrons, you know, like, you know, a lot of older people, older than us, you still have Nokia's. Um, you know, they're not going to have that option. Like, you know, like we had Nokia to play Snake and, they, and send text messages and make <laughs> phone calls. And that, that's it. That, but as you said there, like, and we have to be realistic where we are. If this happened in club matches, then look, crowds going to club matches and going to inter-county ladies football in Camogie is probably a similar number. So maybe in 2023, we need to get back to type here. Are the All Ireland final, bar big occasions, bar quote, bar matches. But um, it, we could be at risk. And again, this is just an opinion. It's not a concrete fact or anything. It's just giving an opinion, which is why we're here to do myself and Eve. It could be turning people out going to matches. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it, it is. And I, I do, I really believe last weekend in, in Drumhow, and I think, you know, I know the weather wasn't great, but I do think like the local people would have definitely um, come up the road to that match, you know, and, and, and actually possibly would not have known that they wouldn't have needed a ticket. Now, as I said, I cannot say if, if, if someone came to the gate and, and they were turned away. I, I can't, I will not. I can imagine I what's happened that. at some stage over the league in the championship. Like. Yeah, definitely so. And I think I'd imagine, I, I couldn't imagine someone being turned away from the gate either equally. Um, and I think that'd be a shame if they did. But, at, you know, at the same time, I just think, that we, it, you know, if you go to the game with the fear that you don't have. And like, I, I like I mean, it started raining on our way, way into the game last week. And as you said, wet phones, trying to get the, the, get the code up on your phone or the barcode, it trying to scan with a phone. Like, and I mean, it's raining and umbrellas up. It was a nightmare last week. It was queues out the gate, like, because, you know, there was only one or two people at the turnstiles and trying to get people, um, you know, scan the, the ticket scan. So that's a nightmare too, as, as for the people that's doing the game as well. It can be a nightmare. Yeah, no, I, I think 
like it's all grand. We're living in a world that's turning plastic and all that, but we, we, you you can't turn away cash at, at times as well. And grand, there mightn't be as many gate collectors as, as there used to be, maybe like you know. But the options should be there anyway, especially for games that have the fear of selling out. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's something that they really need to look at. But you know, as as we we've said, it's it's something that. Um, you know, we can understand why it's why it's in place, but it might be something that needs to be looked at, maybe. And as you said, it's it's happening in club games now. This money's been accepted, so hopefully it'll follow through. Yeah, we'll see what happens definitely next year. I can't imagine it changing over the next few months. But even the club championship matches, we keep an eye on that as well. Um, it was an interesting article here, Neve. Um, I read uh, and delighted to read it as well. And it's about Nigel Erica. Um, GA club, but they're Ireland's first explicitly LGBTQ plus inclusive GA club as well. I think they're going to be special guests to the Dublin Pride Parade this year as well. And you know what? I'm just delighted to hear this story because um, we'll include a link on the article accompanying the website as well. That see, there is a club like this, and they're and they're getting out and they're they're competing and they've won some titles as well, and they're playing competition too. And it's brilliant to see. Yeah, it really is, Darren, and I am. Um... You know, I, I think it was something that maybe it, it came out of lockdown, I think. I think there is a, a rugby club maybe in Dublin that had started initially. And then um, I think some guy I just... Emerald Warriors, yeah. There is, he is. Um, oh, that's the, the rugby club. But the mm. lad, I heard a lad being interviewed and he, I think, just put a, 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 a tweet up saying about anyone interested. And he said that he was inundated with, with you know, um, DMs and, and different people contacting him and um, wanting to get involved. And I think they have over 100 registered members and, you know, it's a ladies and a, um, and a men's football team. And, um, the, you know, it's the, the, they're really enjoying it and they hope to add Camogie and Hurland teams as well. So I think it's it's brilliant to see. And as you said, they're special guests at Dublin um, Pride Parade and on the 25th of June. I think we have to say as well, it's one great thing we have in um, ladies' football and camogie is that sense of inclusion already with Pride Round recently in the camogie, but also I don't know about much in the male side of things, but it's opening up more. But I mean, we know we know players that we get the pleasure of watching week in, week out in both camogie and football, they're the same sexual, like, you know, and it's they're open and all that. So that stigma is not there as much. I'm sure it's there in patches. Miguel Erica is the name of the club as well, special guest of the Dublin Pride Parade. And uh, we'll try and do a piece of them maybe in the club championship season later in the year. And uh, finally, Neve, it's um, Sinead Kassan wrote an article in the Irish Independent recently. And it's just, it's um, a reminder too, like, you know, about, um, I'll just get it up here in front of me, uh, you know, period, period poverty, open discussion about the menstrual cycle. And uh, allowing players to be in a position to be comfortable to talk about these things. Well, now, obviously I can't relate to me, but I'd imagine for like, especially for young players and young girls too, like, you know, they will be that nervous as well to be able to openly discuss um, things that affect their body, that could affect their sport at times. Yeah, I definitely so, Darren. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people, um, a lot of young girls that would be very uncomfortable with it. And I think you know, the stats are showing that a lot of, you know, maybe one in 10 are afraid to talk about it and, and, and don't feel comfortable talking about, about it to, you know, in particular in a, in a, a team situation, um, you know, with their management. In, in the majority of cases, the managements are male. So it find it very obviously uncomfortable to speak to them about it. Now, I think Antrim is coming out on, on so their sort of, paving the way in a sense um, and I know you're going to um, talk about Sean Adams in a minute Darren. but you know Antrim in, in particular and you know the, uh, an all-female uh, management team of Emma Kelly and, and Kyla Trainer, and they have made it very you know open for the players to speak about it you know they, they nearly tailor training around it if it needs be depending on, on what way the cycle is the girls are on their cycle you know and I think it's very very important to 
you know, because, you know, everyone can be, um, have be affected in different ways. Every girl is different. You know, some people will, will have, you know, cramps and different, you know, feel unwell and feel, and then other players might be too bad and might, might be able to continue training. So I think it's very important that, um, it, it is addressed and spoken about and the girls feel comfortable to talk about it and have someone they can speak to. Yeah, Janique Sands' article, I think it was last Saturday week, was uh, started off talking about a uh, uh, first episode of a sports documentary, uh, One Team, One Dream, where Emma Hayes, the Chelsea women's manager, was drawn up a flip chart, but uh, she wasn't drawn any tactical diagram. Just quoting the article here, she was drawing a pair of ovaries, and Antrim LGFA have been very much behind it. And as Neve mentioned there, Sean Adams is the chairperson of Antrim Ladies Football, and uh, I spoke to her on this uh, May of 2021. So we're going to re release that. Um, uh, our interview again from the podcast uh, this Monday on Sports Stats as well. So if anybody's any interest in hearing that, we'll include as well the link to Sinead Sands' article too and the interview we had with uh, Sean Adams as well. And if anybody's any questions or wants any contacts as well, contact us here on Sports Stats and we'll send you on the right path as well. But as Neve said, you know, it's important that young players, especially young players, but all players are able to talk about this and be, be open about this as well because it's part of life, it's part of who they are too and it's important that they don't feel they have to hide it um, or, 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 he, or keep quiet or be nervous about talking about it. Is that a fair way of describing it, Eve? Yes, Darren, totally. And I mean, a lot of situations too where young girls avoid sports and avoid PE um, because maybe they're on the period or on a cycle and, and feel embarrassed by it. So I think it's very important that to, to, you know, for people to realise that you know that you can still play a sport and not, not be feeling uncomfortable. And I think actually Antrim did another thing too. They actually changed the colour on their shorts as well. They went from white shorts. Antrim would it's normally green, be obviously yeah. the saffron and white. They went to a dark green short, and that was again just to, to um, you know, just to make you know, the girls didn't feel um, uncomfortable wearing um, white shorts or whatever. So I think that's you know again little things that that is is something that makes you know it's not something I think that's what I'm saying. Antrim has very have been very forthcoming. I don't think it's something. I think in in Sinead Kassan's, um interview she talks to Katrina uh, Cormack and obviously Galway Camogie player and footballer and. Um, Noel uh, Noel Healy and they both spoke and said that they it's only now and late you know as they're older now that they feel more comfortable talking about it and it's more it's more talked about now than when they were probably younger and, and in the dressing room so it is very important that, that people feel comfortable to talk about it yeah and discussion should be encouraged as well as mentioned next Monday on Sports Stars a special uh, we were releasing the interview from last year and including the link to Sinead Kassan's article as well that's coming up this Monday on Sports Stars Need before we finish up the first part of the show we'll be talking about some of the senior games later on with our two featured matches I just want to give a quick mention to Kevin and Mayo it's live in TG car this uh, at 1.45 this Sunday from Glennon Brothers Pierce Park um, I suppose so different to Waterford and Donegal you know it's a game that Cavan uh, will sense an opportunity but Mayo will be the favourites and want to cement their place in the quarterfinals yeah that, that's probably that's probably a true reflection Darren um, you'd be expecting Mayo to win it going on form and going on, on where Cavan's at but you know it is a game that you could see that there could be an upset in it Um you know, Cavan is due, I think every year Cavan get a big performance and they're, they're, they're due one now. Um, you know, they, they didn't things didn't go well for them last week against Dublin, but then you have to look at where Dublin's at and, and they were completely ruthless last week. Um, so you just don't know. I mean, Mayo um, did got business done, um, business, you know, did what they needed to do against Tipperary, but you still haven't seen an absolute flying, um, flying Mayo team yet. You just haven't seen them um, firing, firing on all cylinders yet. So... If they don't go into that game with that right frame of mind, you could you could see an upset, um, but it's still hard to, hard to see it. But you could see a little, definitely a competitive match, I feel. 
Yeah, like Mayo are missing so many players. And of course, we've talked to AFLW uh, before as well. Um, and speaking of which, I don't think we mentioned it at the start, uh, Blonde Mackin, um, it was a big story coming out this week as well. We've already discussed that in the third half as well, herself and Orla Lally. So check out the third half that was out on Wednesday there. We talked about the, the two, two new names we mentioned in AFLW. And every week, if we hear any more with Seven Eve, we'll talk about them. But of course, the reason I'm mentioning that now is that Mayo have been the county most by AFLW with four four to six players like Rachel Kearns is going back up to championship uh, Cora Staunton obviously doesn't play for Mayo anymore and Hayden Gilroy but the news this year was Sarah Rowe and the two Kelly sisters and even Grace not playing Ashin Sheridan is a massive loss for Cavan and you can nearly balance that but her influence for Cavan is nearly as big as losing those three as well you'd be more confident about Cavan if they had someone like Ashin Sheridan on the field of play they do have good players there they can do damage and they show put incredible performances in last year's championship with we told you told our man for a while as well, but they need all the ducks to line up. Yeah, they do, Darren. They really do. And I suppose um yeah, certainly there's there's great players. And I mean um Ashley Gilson and and um uh, Lauren McFeedy is like two great players and Lauren McFeedy I think scored the goal last week against Dublin and uh, one of the goals. But yeah, they, they have they need to get all all things and um all things lining up. And I suppose you know, we saw them obviously against Monaghan early in the year and and uh, you know, they, they looked not bad, but you know, you still you just feel that just need to try and get a bit more consistency with them. And um, as I said, they are due a, a bigger game, a, a, a better performance, so they could that could come on. on. 145 Glennon Brothers Pierce Park Longford on Sunday Cavan against Mayo we will be reviewing that game on the third half next Tuesday so make sure that you catch that as well uh, later on we'll be talking about the other game in Longford on Sunday that's Armagh against me that's a game we look forward to but after the break it's the game that's not on TV but it is on the LJ Bay streaming service and it's one we thought uh, is going to be very very intriguing that is Cork against Donegal coming up shortly I like listening to sports dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him Darren Kelly So welcome back here to Sports Stars Football I'm Darren Kelly joined by Neve Kendler Neve we said weeks ago and this is not to be disrespectful to any other game taking place in the championship this week we were stunned that this match wasn't live on television and it's why we're featuring the game Cork against Tony Cole um, it's easy to say based on what happened last week and what we expect to happen next week that these two teams could finish first and second in the group but of all the four groups, it probably carries more because, dare I say, this is the game to avoid Dublin in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Darren, this is the this is the big one for for both teams, I suppose. Um, you know, and this this is is obviously as you said, this is potentially this is the one that's going to show who's going first or second in the group. Um, and and to avoid um avoid Dublin potentially. Um, yeah, and it's it's set up to be a really interesting match. The the, the teams have met. Um. You know, over the years, obviously, most most recently um, in last year's league semi-final, and there was only three points between them. Real humdinger for match well, five. I slated the two of them for the defended. Yeah. <laughs> really, you're right, yeah, because it was like conceding the eight goals in a match, like um, for Cork to concede five and, and Donegal three. But yeah, it was, um, I'm oh, sorry for the other way around. But yeah, so that was a real humdinger for matches, right? And I mean, I think everyone... And I suppose, as you said a few weeks ago, we saw this potential meet up. We were saying this this is, has the potential to be a, a super match. It's two o'clock in Clane. It's a neutral venue. It was originally down as a Cork home match, but it's been played in Clane, neutral venue. We've said here before, unless Cork haven't been shown on any stream or anything since they played Waterford in the league. And I suppose when you take into account that was effectively a dead rubber, 
a lot of people probably haven't watched Cork since they played Dublin in Grove Park and that was a terrible day for them it just didn't happen granted the Moran Abbey players weren't back Shane Renane only putting his stamp on the team uh, so we don't really know what Cork is going to show up here as well They're, they are coming in under the radar that we've joked numerous times it's unusual to say that about a Cork team but they are bar those who've actually seen them in the flesh we, we know the names but we don't actually know what way they play yeah, that's it, Darren. And even like as I sat down to write what potentially could be the team at the weekend, you're going obviously what way they, they played against Kerry in the Munster final. But we really don't know. Um, you know, as you said, we haven't seen them. We can, we can know, obviously, the names. We know, like, you know, the, especially the Bourne Abbey players. We've seen them um, towards the end of the year last year. And, you know, we know those girls and we know that some of the names. But how they're playing together under this new management team is, is what we're really interested to see. And... You know, obviously the racking up, they've scored um, 6-21 in the two matches in Munster. So they're certainly able, their scoring boots are on. Um, but, you know, what way they're actually playing is, is, is when we wait, we'll have to wait and see. Now, it was easy to miss these things when we're only working off match reports, but there's one that caught my eye when I was just looking over it today before the show. Uh, Shane Renee made a big call for that Munster final. Um, dropped Martina O'Brien, put in Mavo Sullivan in goals. She put off a great save with the match as well. Um you know, it was a big call and it's a big call going forward because presumably Mavo Sullivan's going to hold that jersey leading into the championship. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was a big call, Darren. And I think if I'm, I'm correct in saying she's Darren and Kira's sister as well. So she's, uh, you know, she's obviously been, uh, she has those Sullivan blood and that blood in her too. So she definitely um, is, 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 is uh, no doubt uh, a feisty uh, goalkeeper in a sense. She's no fear <laughs> like her, her sisters. I'm trying to say, phrase that nicely. But certainly there's no fear in goals. And, you know, I suppose Martina O'Brien, um, you know, she's been a great a steward for, for Cork for so many years and, and took up the mantle after Elaine Hart retired um, and, has, you know, has, has made goals their own, I suppose, in, in that time. But, yeah, a big call. It's something, um, obviously, being a, a, a more Abbey player, I mean, Shane Renan knows her and trusts her very much. And, yeah, a big call, as you said. Um, now, unless he was... Well, we don't know. <laughs> We're assuming that that's the case. We're assuming that Martino O'Brien um, wasn't injured or anything, and that, that this was a call that he made as a, you know, a big call in, in, in that sense. Yeah, no, from what we understand, it was a tactical decision, but we'll find out more, of course, on Sunday. Um, now she she did well well in the game. Um, definitely put herself in pole position to earn the start as well. And just goes to show the manager, of course, the Moran Abbey players, he'd known them very well being their manager as well, but didn't have them join the league campaign. So, because after the All-Ireland series finished. So, uh, his view of a Cork starting 15 is coming together. We've already talked about the players that are not there, including Eric O'Shea. But when you look, and we talk about Donegal in a minute for those from Donegal who wonder why we're talking about Cork. But the reason we are, we haven't talked about Cork properly yet, bar a bit of the provisional championships. Eamon Meany and Maura Callan, the, the call you made, Neve, um, are three and six. It looks a good half-back line with Melissa Duggan back in the wing where she's most comfortable. Laura Matany seems to slot into Eric O'Shea's jersey as well. She got a point in that Munster final too. Um, Ashley Hutchins and Shauna Kelly are on the middle of the park, but then uh, not just loads of O'Sullivan's up in, in front. Emma Cleary scored a goal in the Munster final. Libby Coppinger is as good as they come. Jules Starr and of course uh, Orla Finn uh, got one three that day too, and I think we could due to a clash. Maeve Callan wasn't there, so she's going to slot in somewhere in that team. Yeah, that's that's it, Darren. Um, yeah, that's that's what you're looking at. Um, I suppose just you know, uh, you look at I suppose up the centre as you mentioned, Emer and Amaro Callan, um, Ashin Hutchins, who's been you know 
like has been there or thereabouts in the Cork team. She's been involved with the Cork team for the last maybe seven, eight years, and she's only really getting pushing into get a get a starting position now. Uh, same with Shauna Kelly. They've been there back in 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 Eamon Ryan, Lord Reston's time as well. So you know they they're sort of getting in in a, a starting positions. Same with Libby, but obviously Libby Coppinger, obviously with with the the jewel star as well. She's obviously you know can't fully commit to to, to football as well. But yeah, Emma, um, you mentioned Laura Mahoney. She's a young a young player, a very good league campaign as well for them. Um, and you know she's as you said slotted right in. Melissa back in that wing half position. I mean, Melissa Duggan gives so much to the Cork team. She is you know she's the the most hated. Uh, you know as as a forward, she's the most hated person. You want to be marking like this attacking half back. It always seems to pop up and get scores. You know, um, and and you know and it doesn't seem to. Like I know in the past we talked about, you know, the the downside of her pulling, you know, going forward that leaves a bit of a gap and leaves maybe the, the Cork defence open. But it never seems to happen that way. She always seems to get back and get a hand in or she knows where to go. So, you know, that's that's a serious half back line. And then up front, I mean Orla Finn has just been doing what she's been always doing. Um, you know, and I think it's something she's given much more than just a free taker now. She's she's, you know, it's so much of a uh, a, a, a team player now and get, gets involved and gets scores and sets people up and I think you know she's not just she, she's turning provider as well as as, um, as, as you know her, taking her own scores Anya Terry O'Sullivan scored three points in the Munster final too and very strong and like you know really strong player on the ball is a great kick of the ball and I mean you know if, if you can get enough ball into her she can certainly do damage and then obviously Kieran Dern O'Sullivan then you know they need no introduction uh, you know and they if you know, the experience of them alone and from their from the club as well as everything else, what they've done for you know, Kira Sullivan was a young, young uh, player come on in a Ireland final in 08 against us and scored a goal off the bench. Like that's, you know, that's many years ago. That is 14 years ago. And I mean, that's how, how long she's been doing it for Cork. Oh yeah. And like the thing is, I've always raised it to Kira is definitely in her pomp there in the mid teenies too. I reckon she was the best footballer in the country. Um, back in 11, where I think is our best position, but which is surrounded by familiar faces like that. But obviously this answer won't come until after we see them against Tony Call or possibly in Ireland quarterfinal. But I like the balance of this Cork team. Um, because like Moro Callahan, Ashley Hutchins at six swapping six and eight, I think is a better fit. Melissa Duggan back in the wing I think is a better fit Kiro Sullivan back at 11 I think is a better fit and you've mentioned that inside line already of Anya Terry Durban O'Sullivan and Orla Finn like if they can step up on the big day and be more consistent you know there's there's a lot going for this Cork team but we haven't seen it yet that's why we're looking forward to Sunday Yeah that's it Darren and I mean I, I think you know if you look at that that six those six players we're looking at um, individually they can all get scores and, you know, as a unit, they can work very well. Because obviously you have the, you know, the, the sister telepathy, but, you know, the, obviously the Kieran Duran and Orla played together. You know, only Terry slots in. So they've got a great, you know, they're used to playing together. And I mean, Emma Cleary and, and Libby have, have just slotted into that, that, you know, those four have played together lots over the last number of years. And Libby and Emma have just slotted into that. And I think, you know, as a unit, they can work really well. But I think the big, the key thing too is, Darren, maybe, you know, the, the flip of the team they're playing is that they're not dependent on one or two players. They're, they can really, as um, individually, they can they can get their own scores as well. Be interesting to see how they express themselves. We haven't talked about Donegal yet. We talked about them in the third half this week, reviewing the Waterford game. I'd imagine if they're listening to Donegal, I need to think they just can't please me because uh, I was critical of their defending against our man, not putting the game away, which I think was fair enough. Um, they played like a team that were trying no different to the league match against Galway back in Bally Buffet at the start of the year that try not to make mistakes and get their structure right and I just find that balance in the middle because 
they can't go shipping five goals, but if they're not some way assertive against this Cork team, they're not going to win the match. Yeah, and it's funny, Darren, you, you, you mentioned that Galway game. Like They scored 10 points in that game as well. They only scored 10 against Waterford, and you're right. It was like they went back to that, that you know, like whether we talked about, we, we said we at the start of the year, we questioned their, their defending, and they seemed to, as you said, in that Galway game, were setting up that way. Then, you know, they're supposed to went all out um, expansive football, if you want to call that, and, and got themselves to a league final. Um, and then they go along and go back to... Um, the, 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 the con or sorry go back to those to final and then as you said just completely throw the defending out the door and and get you know lose the game twice effectively and end up you know on the on the losing side of, of, of you know missing out on an Ulster championship. So I mean last week they went back the other way I think the played restricted I think you said it brilliantly on the third half. Repeat what you said in that war of the game. One team was one team was trying not to make a mistake and the other team didn't believe they could do uh, overturn them or something like that. I don't have that's it, yeah. book in front of me. But that's yeah, what no, they all looked like they were trying not trying not to do anything wrong. And Waterford didn't believe that they could really take advantage could, of it. Could win it. That's the thing. And I mean, now Donegal's playing a team this weekend that's not going to be asked twice if they're going to win it. Like, I mean, they, they will will go all out. Cork, you know, don't need any any introduction or any uh, any um, invitation to, to to play the game or to, to win it. Um, but that's the thing. Like Donegal are going to have to be less um, uptight about their, their their way they play. They're going to have to get more people on the ball, more people willing to take scores. Um, and we talk about it so often, Darren, about you know the, the dependency on on Jerry McLaughlin. Um, you know, obviously Yvonne got a point the last day, but they have to really you know put it about more and have more players on the ball because you know it's it going to come a stage that Jerry's going to get get marked. I know it hasn't actually happened yet. It's going to come a stage that Jerry's going to be marked. Know, going to find someone that's going to, you know, not give her a, a, a not get, not let her get on the ball. And where is Donegal going to get the scores from? Neve, and you know from coaching as well as playing, how difficult is it to find that balance? Because, like, if Donegal go all out attack, they're not going to win any All Irelands. They're going to get caught somewhere. Uh, but if they if they're too defensive, like. They pretty much were against Waterford, even though when you look at the, the team that played, well, the potential of that team, the balance is better. But you know, if they're not assertive, they're not going to win big games as well. And how hard is it for a team to find themselves? Like we know, good Donegal can be. They've been in national finals, including this year. Uh, but we always kind of wait for them to let us down. And I, I think myself, they're trying to find their own identity. Uh, which is a challenge. Uh, I think the battle with Donegal is among themselves as much as it's going to come from yeah. Cork this week or, or a Dublin or a Mayo in an Ireland quarterfinal. Yeah, I think that's very true, Darren. Um, I think that that is the, that is the key thing for them. Um, when they go when they go all out defensive, they you know they, they score very little, and you could say okay, they concede very little, and only obviously conceded one five last week. Um, but when and then they go the other way, like I mean, I probably we were critical of them in the Ulster final of. The way they like the, the turnover ball in their own attack in their own in their own defence, um. But then the way they played the ball out, like I mean, I remember saying about like it was like twelve, it was like fist the ball over and I think two scores, two goals. Certainly the first goal for him came from um, trying to fist the ball over Amy Mackin's head. Steve McCall's goal. So if if they're they have to be defensive with a with a with a bit of you know letting the the reins go a little bit where they go to play supposed to play football. I think it's about like. The men's game at the moment too, where if you go too defensive and you nearly forget what, you know, you forget how to play football, and you don't, you know, you're nearly you're afraid to make a mistake, and you end up being real restricted. And I think, as you said, Donegal have to just get that balance where they, you know, be defensive, but like at the same time, you know, let off the reins and 
go at it, like go for it. Like, and see what happens then too, Darren, is when the team, when the game's in the balance, and you know, saw it with Monaghan men, and I see it in loads of games that when they play defensive, and then all of a sudden, uh, the game's going away from them, and then they just go all out attack, and it's like it's like a free for all. They're like throwing high balls in, kicking big Gary Owens in, trying to get something. So it's suppose it's just about, as you said, getting that balance. But even there, like in like Johnny Maxi Curran said himself, they go off the hook. Now it's debatable whether Waterford deserved to win or Johnny Gold deserved to win. We know Waterford had plenty of chances to win it, but you can argue the same. But Johnny Gold could that after what happened in the Ulster final, could that result have liberated them a bit? And maybe because we saw what Johnny Gold can do. Granted, he didn't play great against Dublin, but they got the results. We know what the, we know what's in the tank. It's just bringing it up at the key moments of the game. And could that victory against Wolverine, maybe there was that nerves going in that, geez, if we lose this game, we're going to be in serious trouble. Where against Cork now, to have that kind of like, we should be okay regardless of what happens here. Yeah, I suppose the, 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 is you're saying the pressure's a little bit off them and there was maybe more pressure on the last week. I suppose, yeah, in what Maxi said, and even you could see on the reaction of the players after the game, Darren, you know, they didn't, they weren't happy, they won. I don't mean they weren't happy, but, you know, they didn't look, you know, like a team was after going, yes, we won this game. They were nearly, I, I think they were a little bit shell-shocked, to be honest, they going, geez, we nearly lost that game, as opposed to, yes, we won it. So I think there wasn't, maybe maybe that came, as you said, maybe there was a lot of pressure on them. They knew there was, they knew there was pressure on them that, they, they, it, you know, if they didn't get a result that, and I suppose as well, we, we all, we did feel that Waterford could be the team to cause an upset. If you know if it was an upset happening in any of the groups, so maybe that pressure was on them. But as you said, they can maybe go out now this week and be a little bit more expressive of themselves and and go for it. And the fact that it's in a neutral venue, um, both teams have to travel, and you know there's I suppose a lot of things um in their favour in that sense, rather than have to travel to Cork, which was initially the plan. But we also said in the third half too that Donegal did win that game, and a game like that Donegal would not have won a year ago. That's true. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they did they did get out. Um, and, you know, they, they got, I suppose, you know, they got the vital scores. And I think, you know, Yvonne's point at the end to put them two up was there was a, like sort of the, the, uh, the you know, the score, the, the obviously safety score, if you like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To get them, get them one on a, a super point that was too. Like, and I suppose we, we do have to, you know, point out too that Karen Guthrie wasn't playing. We know what an impact she can have um, on the Donegal team. And, and you know, I, I think they, they need her. Um I suppose playing on Sunday, you know, hope that whatever injury, whatever's going on, that she, she's back and available Sunday and maybe they didn't want to risk her um, trying her out um, last weekend. Well, they definitely need her for an All-Ireland quarterfinal, regardless of what happens. I think Suzanne White could be an obvious person to come in for Blondes. Uh, McLaughlin, who went off injured last day too, if if she's not fit to play as well. Karen is a massive loss. Uh, just before we, we go to predictions, Neve, um, we talked about some positional switches we wanted to see with Johnny Gall uh, before the Waterford game. And I think we saw them, Nicole McLaughlin, back at six. Neve has actually gone back up to her original position of 11 2 and was player of the match. Katie Heron and Deirdre Foley as a midfield partner with her too. And she's a few options there as well. Are you happy with that Johnny Gall uh, central diamond as such? And compared to what we're expecting from Cork, who do you think is the edge in that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, definitely. Um, as you said, the, the diamond there is, is you know, I suppose we, we if you go even full on matchups like Moro Callan, McLaughlin, that is, that's going to be, I think, the, the standout matchup in, in our standout uh, matchup, I suppose. Or, um, Two captains head, head to head, head, if you like, because, yeah, really is a head to head in, in every sense of the word. And I mean, 
you know, two players that, as you know, in, obviously in, in every sense of the word, being captains as well, but they give so much to the team in the sense that they, you know, they drive the team on from the from those, you know, centre back positions versus the centre forward position. Um, yes, that's going to be the standard head to head, I think, um, and it'll be very interesting to see who gets the top. And I mean, Neil Clapton has picked up two player of the match awards over the last um, the, the last couple of games. Um, I'm not sure what. Oh yeah, did she did she get player of the match in the league final? I think it was. She did, I think, yeah. I think she, she did, did yeah. That's the, yeah, she did. Yeah, that's the, the two. I was trying to think what was the two televised games. But yeah, so, I mean, you know, she is definitely um, playing really good football at the moment. And as you said, that position gives her a little bit more, um, you know, a bit more structure in, in that she's not, you know, she's she's in the positions that you need Donegal and need her in. Um, but it's, it's, it's a hard one to know. I suppose if you look at each of the matchups, Darren, it, there's very little between them. Like even Kira Sullivan, Nicole McLaughlin, um, Evelyn McGinley, Duran O'Sullivan is going to be really interesting. Emer Meany, Yvonne Bonner potentially because Yvonne lined out full forward the last day. Um, but yeah, it, it's I suppose that's the key area in in every sense of the word. And if if the, whoever gets on top is going to be, you know, that's going to be the key area. I think Neve Hegarty, and I know I'm going to jump a little bit, but I think Neve Hegarty is a is a key player for Donegal. Um, she like lined out corner forward, but she's going to come out and play that role. She does. She picks up so much, who's dirty ball if you want to call that for Donegal. She's been you know, a real, um, a real asset for her coming back. I mean, obviously she's she's a well experienced player, but she only was only back for the for the league final. Um, she only came on in that game, but she's been a real, you know, she's a real busy player, and she gets round and gets stuck into places, and you know, draws fouls and, and runs at attacks. So you know, her in, in that position of coming out, maybe as corner forward, giving a bit more room to inside to Yvonne and Jerry, I think is a better dimension for Donegal. Um, now. You're going to ask me now very quickly uh, who is going to win the game, and I know you're, that, that's the question. Just to give you the, give, give you the second to think about that because that hits the question as well. I have to throw one match up that I hope happens. Amy Boyle Carr, if I'm, there's no hiccups with, with her going off at the end against Melissa Duggan, could well happen too, and that's that, that could be intriguing because they'll, they'll they'll go all over the fields. You know, I mean, they'll go up and down the two of them as well. They, they might stay with each other if Maxie or Shane allow that to happen. Yeah, definitely so, Darren. And um, you know, that is that is another one that will be. And I mean, but as you'd mentioned, Amy Boyle was um Amy Boyle Carr was very brilliant play, brilliant last week um in the Waterford game and was really a standout player too. So that is a, a real interesting matchup. I suppose the other side of it too is um, you know, Donegal have had that game. You know, obviously they've they've got you know, obviously disappointment of the of the Ulster final loss, but they've got a game under the belt. They're they're up and running in the all in the all Ireland series. Cork haven't played since um when, when was the last game? It was the end uh, of May against Kerry. Monster final, the end of May, yeah. So, them couple of weeks have been, you know, maybe, um, um, you know, of, of, you know, not not championship pace, you know, them couple of games. And I only got two games in the in the championship and obviously won them easily enough, I suppose, too. Um, and, and they obviously ended up beating Kerry easily enough in the end. Um, so, I, I don't know if that's going to affect Cork. I mean, we're talking about how we don't know what to expect from them. But maybe that that layoff for the of the you know two weeks or t- maybe three weeks off um might uh, just mightn't just have them up at championship pace and might take them a little while to settle and that could be Donegal's time to hit early and hit hard and maybe they they might get the, the upper hand on that front. So you're saying the might. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, well, I suppose if I if I go back to my predictions, I had predicted uh, Cork to finish top, so I'm going to still go with a Cork win. Cork win as well but of course it's going to be intriguing because Donegal no doubt will improve in the last game Cork we don't ex- exactly know where they are but the, the form looked good based on the Munster Championship Cork getting the nod 2 o'clock in playing on Sunday now just to let you know as a special in sports science football next week we'll be reviewing that game 
um, because we'll be focusing on the two live matches in TG Car on the third half on Tuesday. So uh, we'll we'll mention it on Tuesday. But to let you know, next Wednesday here, our first segment of the show will be actually reviewing Cork against the Gall in the uh, senior um, TG Car Senior Football Championship. That's it for the second part of the show. When we come back, it's the rematch. I'll be looking forward to it anyway. And I think many more have, including Eamon Murray. It's Armagh against me, and that's coming up in a moment. I like listening sports dads because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. Welcome back here to Sports Stars Football, the final leg. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Neve Kent. And Neve has a little bit of fun there before the break, based on the comments that Eamon Murray had uh, said after the Monaghan match. But I've said it to you numerous times, um, and especially when we knew these two were getting together. This is the game I've really, really been looking forward to because if there was a sliding doors moment in the All-Ireland quarterfinal last year, you were there in the day to watch the match. We could be talking completely different narratives uh, based on the story that we did end up having with Neve's wonderful success. That's right, Darren, that game, that famous day in Clonus. Um, and, you know, Mead absolutely uh, rocked our man in a sense. Like, you know, I think Shell shocked them in a, in a sense. And, you know, 315 to 114, it certainly wasn't the, the, the finish that our man expected in that game. And I think a lot of people, um, well, it was, you know, it was funny. There was a few people that might have said that they thought that it could it could happen. But um, I don't think anyone really believed it. And Mead... Um, Absolutely rocked our as you said, and that's that's the la- that's the the last most most recent time they obviously met in the, the National League Division Two um, in 2020, and again Mead had the upper hand, 121 to 35. So, um, as as Eamon Murray alluded to in his interview after the game, uh, I think he said two teams like to play football was his actual comment, <laughs> but he also said um, he also said that we beat them the last two times, so they'll be wanting to to get one up on us. So that was. Um, what Eamon reckons. So yeah, it, it 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 has all all the the ingredients for a really um interesting match, Darren. Yeah, it's the match I think Armagh really wanted. They they need this match. I know nobody's going out with the championship on Sunday in this game in, in Glennon Brothers Pierce Park. But just to go back to that as well, like Mead were winning us over at the time that they beat Kerry well in the league final. They put up a good showing against Cork. But we all expected in 2021 that it was going to be our mass time to come. Um, and while you famously made the prediction that Mead would beat Cork uh, in the semi-final, I don't recall any of us going anything barren our mass win in the quarterfinal last year. But we did say one thing that we'd noticed about Mead and it stood out particular that day. The first time I heard the word from yourself, the system. But we said if any team was going to challenge Dublin, they had to learn how to defend. Mead proved that on the day. Now, if Caroline O'Hanlon was on the pitch for Armagh, who knows what would have happened. It's pure speculation. It might have made a bit of difference. But Armagh's weaknesses in defence, as we've even seen recently in the Ulster final again, caught up with them in the day where Mead's system, their structure and their ability to counter-attack at breathtaking speed. And we realised there was a new player in town that day. That's that's 100%, Aaron. That is so true. And I mean, I think the, the, the most, the, probably the... The goal that probably changed the game was was Emma Troy's goal, and she ran 40, 50 yards like straight through the, the heart of the Armagh um, defence that day and scored the goal, and that like that sort of that that kick started Meads Meads um, role at at that stage in the game, even though it was feeling like that it was on the cards, but I think that sort of cemented it then. Um, but yeah, we did mention that the, the fact that Caroline obviously had a broken a broken jaw and she wasn't fit to play. She was on on the line that day, and and. You know, obviously very annoyed that she couldn't be part of the game. But um yeah, it, it's it's certainly um, you know, as you said, it, it's it's made have have 
come a long way since then. And, and so of Armagh, I suppose Armagh probably learned a lot, I think, we feel they have. Um, I suppose taking us at the, the league final aside, we feel they've, they've learned a lot and have showed a lot of character in the last couple of games. Um, so it'll, as you said, it's just going to be a really, really interesting match. Yeah, like they took the league seriously this year, but they did show character in the Ulster final victory. Um, Mike, we were just pointing out there was looseness that won't win any All Ireland titles because our man were semi finalists in 2020 and they came into that game in good form as well. And we expected that they were going to win it. Look, comparing the team that played last year to what played in the Ulster final this year, I think there was four changes to the team. Caroline O'Hanlon in midfield is the key one, but Sean O'Grey, Cotto in defence, and Quiva Marley in the attack as well. The spine is still pretty much the same. Lee Marley's dropped back to the defence. Steve Coleman is in the 11 jersey. Even McCoy is flanking um, in the middle of like two lethal attackers in um, Amy Mackin and Kelly Ballon as well. Claude McCambridge is an all-star team at the championship winner uh, to give his right call in 2020. Laura McConville uh, nominated there as well. Anna Karen Go like on paper, our mass seem to be doing everything right. Um, but again, it's no different to Donegal. It's getting that balance, you know, where you want to go, we want to see them play good football attacking, but Mead have that balance. Now, Mead have shown signs of getting caught up in their defensive side a bit too often this day, but when Mead strike it right, as they did against Mayo in the league semi-final, they're very hard to play against. Yeah, that's, that is the thing, Darren, and, you know, to have, I mean, I, I know I've been critical of Mead um, this year, um, I suppose, you know, I, probably not really thinking of the, the, the Mayo game as much, but definitely, um, in, in the Leinster Championship, I have been critical of them, um, obviously last weekend too. But yeah, they, they have, you know, they have, I suppose, the system. They have that system, you know, to a T. And that's that's the thing, like, and I suppose, they, you know, any team that has shown um, chinks in it uh, has been done it all, maybe in the league final for certain periods. But it's all about, you know, and I mean, Mont didn't show it at all, but little time, obviously Dublin showed in the Leinster final that of moving the ball fast, and I think the key thing is taking scores from further out. And that's what Arma have. Arma have players, Kelly Mallon, Eve, uh, Amy Mackin in particular, um, Eve Laverty, Eve Coleman, these players, and obviously Carolyn O'Hannon scored four points in the in the Ulster final as well, that can kick from outside, you know, can kick outside the 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 the, the zone or the, the the arc, I suppose, that that Mead defend so so brilliantly. And that's where I think, you know, you'd feel that Arma would be working on and be looking at them. That's Rather than trying to walk the ball, say the goals will come, but trying to walk the ball in to try and kick and, and maybe draw me out that way, try and kick from outside the outside the D, if you like. We have the confirmation that Blonde Mackin is staying for the championship. Um, their midfield partnership with Caroline O'Hannon is very, very promising. She seems to be one of those players to know that the pinpoint the passes you're touching on there to try and break break through teams as well. And that is going to be vital too to get the supply line in. But also a reason I mentioned that, like just looking at the match report from the game against Mead, against Mullen, sorry, and you were there. Um, did Moro Shockley down his wing back with Vicky Wall staying in the middle? Was that the way they kind of play, played? Because if, if Moro Shockley's going back to join the defence, I'd be curious if that it helps or hinders me going forward. Yeah, well, to be honest, Aaron, it was it was very hard to actually work out what way that. That's why I, I would have said that I just thought, like I know they were critical of Monaghan going all out defensive. I would have felt Mead went very defensive as well at times, and it was very hard to work out. I think Vicky did seem that she was more around the middle. She certainly wasn't up up front, um, and 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 you know they had time to have three or four players, you know, sort of back, just holding back because. You know, I suppose there was 15 modern players inside, so there was no no point adding more players to that 
that situation. But, you know, I think I, what I was probably um, was disappointed with Mead is, you know, apart from um, Stacey's freeze, Mead scored, like, only scored 1-4 from play. Um, the goal game kind of against the running play was a, from a poor kick out. The other points, I mean, Vic got one with a with right foot, a super point, and, and, and I think Emma got one with a right and left. Um, but that was all the points that scored from outside D. Like, and I, you know, I know the win was a little dodgy, but they didn't try. They kicked 10 wides, kicked two short keepers' hands. You know, and I, that's what I, I, that's why I was probably being a bit critical of me, but I was disappointed that I didn't see them, you know, they didn't go at us, go for it and, and, and rack up a big score because they could have, but they didn't seem to, didn't seem to. Yeah. be able to or, or want to if there's one criticism with this me team sometimes they get sucked back into that defensive way it nearly cost them an hour in semi-final last year against Cork and uh, we've seen I think against Waterford in the league this year as well and, and, and against Dublin yeah. but on the other side then when they get it right like they did against Cork in the league like they did against Mayo too like you know they're, they're unbelievable too um, there's a few changes from last year's team but 12 of the all-Ireland final team did start that game against Monaghan, including everybody going down the centre as well. So as as difficult as whether the elements or Monaghan or whatever way you want to spin it, uh, uh, whether it's Eamon Murray or whatever way, um, they, they still will need more if they're going to be up there competing to retain their title. We've no doubt they're going to be there, thereabouts, but they are going to be facing a very, very motivated Armagh team and Armagh team that, you know, they can point a finger at me and say, I don't give them enough uh, enough credit, but you get credit by winning trophies and they've won three Ulster. But obviously we saw Armagh fall apart in the league final against Kerry. Then we saw them take a game from Donegal. I wouldn't insult them by saying steal. They took a game from Donegal twice. Um, they the signs again. The signs are promising, but it, this is the game there now. Just at the end of the day, the winner of this game more than likely plays Galway. The loser more than likely plays Kerry in the quarterfinal. It's not to be all and end all this game, but it's me they've been waiting for because Armagh will feel. I would imagine that me did what they should have done last year. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that they're you know obviously I mean as you said it in 2020 they were in a semi final and kick a ball away from an All Ireland final and. You know, they would feel that that Mead robbed them of that opportunity to be back in a semi-final and, as you said, even go further. Um, so they would be very, you know, that you would feel that their motivation from that day in Clonus would have been pushing to get back and get an opportunity to be back in, in a, be back in an All-Ireland quarter-final and be back. So, I mean, I suppose they didn't expect to get an opportunity to play Mead in a, in a group stage in a game that, you know, as you said, doesn't really mean... It, you know, it, it, it means, as both bragging rights, and it means where you finish the group, but the be all end all, potentially, the both teams are going to make a quarter final. So it, it doesn't mean. So I think they'll, they'll be delighted at the opportunity to play with me. I don't know if I said to you, but Kelly Mallon and, and um, the, the manager, um, Ronan, were at the in Drumhowen last weekend. So I would feel they would have left the game not overly. Um, uh, you know, impressed by Mead, but certainly we be looking at it, uh, thinking how they're how they're going to play set up against them this week. But I would feel that it's something that Armagh have looked at, and um, as you said, that the the league final against Kerry, they will be that will be the two aims they had this year would have been get back out of, you know, win the Division Two, getting back into Division One football, and you know, be be in winning an All Ireland quarter final and get and get further than that. So you know. The Kerry, the, the Division Two thing didn't happen, but this is where they have an opportunity now. And you know, I think more so than ever, they want to set themselves up, see how they're, where they're at, and and you know, Mead is obviously the team that everyone wants to beat, and they want to see where they're at, and that that's the perfect opportunity to have in in um, in uh, Longford weekend. Yeah, it's a game that we're definitely all going to make sure we watch as soon as we can if we are out and about on Sunday. I have one question for you before we wrap up. Um, 
Stacey Grimes got the plaudits the last day against Monaghan, but it was much for the freeze. But it's great to see Stacey back at the lead front as well because she probably got overshadowed by Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan last year. But like Emma Duggan still got three points that day. Vicky Wall gets involved in an awful lot, covers an awful lot of ground. I don't think Vicky Wall is going to play midfield on Sunday. That's my personal opinion myself. Uh, the question is both asking is uh, a two or three parter here now, Eve. Um, where will Vicky play? Who's going to mark Vicky? Who's going to mark Emma Duggan? But likewise too, who's going to deal with Amy Mackin and Kelly Mallon on the other end? <laughs> yeah, that Call is... Call it a five-parter. I suppose... <laughs> I was just going to say, that's that's how long have we got? Um, I suppose, well, well first of all, we'll start with Vicky. Like, I mean, Vicky starts every game at midfield as it goes into the show-up and it's it seems to be quite... Um, uh, it's sort of she nearly always is involved in winning the throw off for me so that's a good starting point for them straight away um, against maybe Caroline and, and Blahine Mack and maybe they might be successful um, who would pick up Vicky is it very like, you know I suppose it's it's all about someone that's going to have the strength to, to, to like I suppose someone that's going to run with her first and foremost but also someone like I suppose has the legs to run with her but also someone with a bit of strength you can't put someone really light up against her you're not going to put someone like I mean obviously where she lines out at, at corner forward Kate Toe, you're not going to put, you know, a, a young girl that's like this, you know, only really taking part in all in her. This will be her first debut All Ireland series, um, senior All Ireland series for for um for our Mars. So you're not going to put someone like her in her, but maybe you know Neve Marley is certainly someone that's strong enough to stick with her. Um, and you know that that would be a really good, uh, really good uh, tussle, I can imagine. Um, and, and it'd be, be interesting. I'd love to see the bets on, on how long if the two of them marked each other, how long. Who would stay on the field the longest? I think both of them have a bit of a record of, of being um, not the worst suggested ending here. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but the, but Neve in strength wise will certainly be someone to be able to run with her, and, and you know they might have a, a plan of of you know someone, you know someone to, to maybe a, a sweeper or something maybe to, to stand in, in the area. It's supposed, but I, I, it's a hard one to call down, and maybe they're going to have a, a role reversal thing where they have different people to pick her up at different stages. Um, on the flip side of that. Uh, as you said, Amy Mack and, 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 and uh, Kelly Mallon have been phenomenal in, in the Ulster's commentary for, for Armagh this year. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Mary-Kate Lynch has been brilliant at at, um, at full-back this year. And I mean, and Avian Cleary and they've all, like Emma Troy, I think, at centre-back has been a, a new, uh, a really new area for her and, and she's been able to go up the field. We know she can do a marketing job as well, but whether they'll take her out of her role at centre-back and bring her back to pick up maybe Kelly or Amy Mack and, It'll be interesting to see. I'm nearly sure um, um, Avian Cleary marked Amy Mackin for a certain went to while in, in Clonus last year. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that could be we could see uh, matching up again. But I suppose the key thing in any of the two areas, and probably more so for Kelly and, and Amy Mackin, if they don't get the ball into them, they're not much use in there, to be honest, Darren. So the key thing is, I suppose, the job of Carly O'Hanlon, Blahin Mackin, um, Lauren McConville and that sort of Grace Ferguson and Eve Marley, that sort of half have to win the midfield did. battle, Arma. Have to, if, yeah. Definitely. If we win the definitely midfield battle, to. wherever Perry is there, I think there's only one result. But if, but the signs we've seen from Blahan and Caroline together is that there is something potentially there. We might see the first sign of it uh, this coming Sunday in Longford. Need the clock is nearly against us, so. Um, we're going to go to predictions here. I know we were splitting this when we did our overall championship predictions. Are we still going uh, the same way? I'm actually torn at the moment because I think it'll be a draw match. <laughs> because while I was critical of our man, the Ulster final, I definitely know what they can do. 
But likewise, too, it's a perfect day for me to turn it on. Uh, and they've done that on numerous occasions and have handled the favourites tag very, very well this year. It has to be said over the course of the year. Um, but I'm, I I get to sit in the fence. You don't. So <laughs> you get to make your call. Okay. Well, I, I suppose I, I, I've been saying it. Um, I, I probably cemented a wee bit more for me um, watching me last week. And I know I'll probably be um, eating my words maybe on Sunday evening, Darren. But I, I feel I haven't been. I, I've said it on a few occasions. I think it just, as I said, cemented my, my feelings on it um, watching them um, against Monaghan last week. And I feel that. Meads just not where they were last year. <laughs> and instead of could be eating this, I eat my words. But I feel that Armaz um has has the more options and players more and they they, they have the, the players can kick outside the, the, the blanket defense. They can get players can score points from distance if they get the right players on the ball. And I just think Armaz is gonna win it. A victory for Armagh will certainly which goes spice this championship up, but also separate Dublin and Meath in the All Ireland series again. My apologies to Waterford and Mayo people because Dublin haven't actually won the group yet. Maybe I'm getting carried away, but Armagh against Mead uh, coming up at three forty-five in Glennon Brothers Pierce Park Longford on Sunday. Now, before we go, just a quick touch on the other two matches we haven't discussed. I'm going to Tune Stadium myself for Galway against West Mead on at two o'clock on Sunday. Um, Look, I expect Galway to turn turn around and get the results. It's been very, very difficult for Westmead. Uh, been losing all the players they've had. Division 1, two heavy beatings in um, Leinster Championship. Can they get themselves up for this? And can they cause Galway a serious problem? To be honest, Darren, I'm afraid to say no. I don't think they will. Um, I suppose Galway are going to be in a situation now, obviously, you know, a must-win match for them. Um, and I think when when they come to games, and I think it has to be it happens to be Westmead, they're at the at the it has to be at the, or seems to be at the helm in the last, especially the league there as well. Um, that you know when, when Galway need a result, it seems to be against Westmead, and they, they seem to just you know have no trouble getting it. Um, as you said, it is a shame. You know, intermediate champions last year, or eighteen players lost for them. You know, it's very very hard to pick themselves up after that, and you know try and build a team around that. Um, you know, fair play them that they're competing. That they're they're playing the matches they're they're getting they've got a team out there um but unfortunately i just don't think they have enough to to, to um call it definitely a goal will win i definitely hope to give Galway a match anyway like you know um just for themselves confidence wise more than anything else but i would agree i think Galway will get the job done on sunday the other game temple two e two o'clock tipperary against dublin is a similar type of question but tipperary are at home look I don't think anybody's expecting to do anything against Dublin in regards to results-wise, but I suppose it's just trying to build up the performances ahead of what's going to be the crunch match for them against Cavan the following week. Yeah, that's that's the thing, Darren. Um, you know, scored one six against Mayo last week. Uh, you know, seven scores in a in a match is, is you know, and conceding one sixteen, you just you'd sort of fear at the fact that where Dublin's at at the moment. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, racked up a big score last week and, you know, getting more game time into the players that, you know, missed there. Obviously, players that picked up injuries, Neve, um, Neve Collins and Carla Rowan, Sinead Heron back back again too for, for another season. Um, you know, so it, you just feel, I, you know, I suppose for, for Tipperary, it's, as you said, it's about trying to get um, a bit of performance in, get, a, you know, get working on a few things. Like, obviously, Marie Corley being captain there and um, in the full-back position and, you know, she sort of, is trying to drum the team up and, and keep the team going. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of work going on in underage level and temporary as well. So, but I suppose it's going to take a couple of years. And I just think um, definitely don't too much for them. 
Yeah, Tipperary did get a draw against Dublin in the league a couple of years ago, but that was the league in Dublin. Championship Dublin are a completely different animal as well. No shocks expected here, but if we do get any shocks, we'll definitely talk about it on the third half next week. Uh, listen, another busy show as always, and of course we could have spent another 15-20 minutes talking about our man Mead alone, let alone uh, and it's anything else going on. Uh, as we mentioned, which goes a uh, special um, re-record, uh, republishing of our uh, conversation with Shauna Adams and Period Poverty that'll be up on sportsstars.ie on Monday May 7th we'll be back on Tuesday with the third half we'll be looking at Cavan against Mayo and Armagh against me plus any other big talking points in Gaelic football over the weekend but of course Cork Donegal as we mentioned that'll be done on Sportsstars football next Wednesday so we'll be kept busy again next week myself and Neve. but of course it's side of championship season that's exactly what we want to be talking about and to look forward to seeing what pans out our thanks to Shannon McLaughlin again the loud captain for joining us earlier on but that's it for the show. I'm Darren Kelly. This was Sports Stars Football. I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time, Leave Kentland. Thank you, Darren.